Unleashed. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Matthew Mess here, and welcome to episode three of the Matthew Mess Unleashed podcast. Ooh, so, um, today I'm going to be trying. We're gonna, I'm going to be doing something completely different. Um, I'm going to be talking about um a game that um has recently just become one of my favorite games ever in the history of everything. Um, and the funny thing is, I never grew up with it. Um, I only just recently played it in the, um, you know, the 2010s, early 2010s, when it got ported to basically uh, almost every console and the PC. And that game is um, Sonic CD. So, Sega's history is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty insane. Um, in the mid early nineties, they were just pretty much dominating, um, you know, because Sonic came out and Genesis sales were going through the roof. Sega was making a butt ton of money, and what did they? What did they do? <laughs> Freaking release like what four, five, six consoles in the span of a couple of years. Yeah, not the best idea, guys. But yeah, that would be one of their, you know, many mistakes at that time, unfortunately, and um, you know, but. Let's just like let's just set aside all that for a minute. When um the game Sonic CD was released, it was still early days for Sega. Um, they they released this new console called the Sega CD, and let's be honest, a lot of the games eh, not too good. There were some good games on there, but nobody fucking had a Sega CD. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Well, almost nobody had a Sega CD. Because, I don't know, I think it might have been too expensive back then, or whatever. I mean, it was CD technology in the early 90s, it would have been expensive. So, Sonic CD was just one of those obscure games that you you would just not really hear much about. I mean, everyone would be going on about how, like, it's a great game. But nobody wanted to buy the system to play it, <laughs> more or less. And I think that's how come my newfound love for the game when it got ported to, you know, modern systems by, uh, I don't know who ported it. I know, um, the physics engine was reused by Christian Whitehead, which is great, and it makes the game probably a lot, a lot more playable than the original anyway, so. Needless to say, if you played the original Sonic CD, um, I mean, if you didn't play the original Sonic CD when it came out, you weren't missing much, <laughs> more or less. Um, especially if you bought it in America, where it had the really crappy American soundtrack, I believe, but, yeah. I mean, I mean, it wasn't terrible, that soundtrack. I actually like a couple of the American songs, but overall, it just... Uh, <laughs> it does not hold a candle to the Japanese soundtrack. That has to be one of my favorite Sonic soundtracks in the history of all the games. In, it's gonna... The Japanese soundtrack is, is the best soundtrack in the entire Sonic franchise. It is just absolutely incredible. Every single beat, every single instrumental sounds fantastic. There's literally not one bad song. Okay, there might be one. I'm not really a fan of the special stage music. It's kind of like... I mean, to be fair, if you've heard that, like, if you hear that song a lot of times, which you have to do if you keep failing the special stage, you have to restart the special stage, because you can, um... You know, if you're about to fail the special stage, you can actually exit out of it and, like, reload the save, and it'll take you back to the special stage at the beginning of... It'll take you back to the beginning of the special stage. So, you know. But anyway, enough about that. Let's, um... So, 
Sonic CD, um, more or less, it was one of those games that, you know, a lot of people missed out on, but it was definitely one of the best Sonic games ever at the time. Regardless if you, you know, even if no one heard of it, there's no denying that um, the original would have been considered the best Sonic game out um, at the time. Until Sonic 3 Knuckles came out, which absolutely trumps it. In, in a lot of people's opinion, but me personally, I feel like Sonic CD is better. But, you know, both games are absolutely like 10 out of 10 games. So, honestly, you know, my opinion is quite irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> you know, I might like Sonic CD better, but it doesn't take away how immensely enjoyable Sonic 3 Knuckles is. But anyway. But yeah. The genius of Sonic CD. It's just one of those games... That when I played it in, like, you know, when it came out in, like, 2011 or whatever, I can't really remember. No, wait, I think I, I, I didn't even play it until, like, 2015, I don't think. I, when I got my PS3, I played it. Man, I was, like, just absolutely blown away by how much I enjoyed it. Um, it was just absolutely incredible. Um, so here I am playing Sonic CD... And, you know, I'm just having an insanely good time playing it. And I, I, I was just blown away by the, the amount of exploration you can do. Like, it, there's so much detail. There's multiple pathways. There's, you know, all sorts of... There's, there's like, uh, you can blow up... You can either... To, to get the good ending, you could, you could either, you know, do the special stages by collecting 50 rings and whatnot... You could actually blow up the robot generators at each level. In the past, I believe, you can travel to the past and blow up the robot generators. And um, you also have to uh, destroy the uh, metal sonic holograms as well by traveling to the future in each level. So, you know, you have to, do, you, you have to destroy the robot generators and destroy the robot holograms to, to um, get the good ending another way. So, so more or less, you got two ways to get um, uh, the good ending, and getting uh, figuring out where all everything's located is one of the most enjoyable things about the game. Um, like the exploration, like you know, I'll bring up a map and I'll be, you know, I'm playing a fucking 16-bit game, 32-bit game from like uh you know 1993 and here i am bringing up this huge elaborate map so i can find out where all the generators are robot generators are in metal sonic holograms it's just absolutely insane um and i, I couldn't help but feel like i missed out even though no one really played it when it originally came out well, it might have been a couple hundred thousand people, but, you know, let's not kid ourselves. <laughs> Probably only barely a million people played it originally. So, or something like that. But, you know, I do feel like I, I missed out on having a nostalgic experience playing this game, you know, again, you know, on modern systems because I never grew up with it. But at the same time, I kind of feel like that doesn't matter because here I am playing it now. And it's just, it, it's a retro Sonic game. So, I'm getting flooded with nostalgia because I played, you know, well, retro Sonic games when I was younger or whatever ones I can get my hands on. I never really played, um, 
you know Sonic Two when it you know when it when it was big because I well I watched my cousins play it so you know I uh, actually played the eight bit versions of Sonic One and Two when I was a kid because <laughs> my broke ass couldn't afford a Mega Drive at the time but um well either that or my mom just didn't bother getting me a Mega Drive but um I uh I w I always thought the uh, sprite quality of Sonic CD was like a mixture of uh. It's kind of like its own thing, actually. Now that I think about it, the color scheme is so colorful and bright. It's 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 something that I don't think the Genesis could output. Maybe the Sega Saturn could output it. Um, Sonic the Sega CD can obviously output it, but quite frankly, the Sega CD should have been uh, the Sega Saturn should have been the Sega CD. Let's not. They should have not released the Sega CD and waited for the Saturn. Because doing that, they're just wasting money, and, you know, it's stupid. I don't know what they were thinking, but to be fair, to be fair, this is one of the first instances of a company getting a large amount of money in such a short time. I do not think Sega knew exactly what to do. Um, I mean, if you compare this to what Epic Games is doing by, by, by like, buying exclusivity deals to fucking everything, you know... No shit that's gonna fucking screw everything up, because, you know, if you... Jump... Look, jumping straight into something never works out. You have to do... You have to plan things out. You can't just be like, okay, let's release five consoles and make a shit ton of money. No, that's not how it works. You've got competition. You've got Sony. You've got Nintendo. You know, you really... They, they really should have thought about what they were doing, you know. Uh, it's unfortunate that Sega ended up the way they did because it was such a beautiful company at that time. Because they were creating such masterful works of art. Like, it was just fantastic stuff, you know? Um, <laughs> games like Nights in the Dreams, um, you know, Sonic CD, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, all, like, you know, 10 out of 10 games. Um... And just to have all that, all that hard work just be a distant memory now, you know, is, is quite sad. But, uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, Sonic CD was, um, was a interesting adventure, to say the least. I mean, the, the console it was released on was completely unnecessary. But the game itself, the software, is fantastic. It's one of the, you know, most elaborate games in the retro series. And, yeah, it's just amazing. Um, it's genius. Sheer genius. It's one of, you know... You know, the, the, every level has, like, different songs. You know, you travel to the past, you get, like, different, more primitive-sounding sound, um, version of the, the level's theme. You travel to the future, you get, like, this futuristic EDM-sounding um, theme. And the present is kind of like a mixture of both, in a way, I suppose. I'm not really quite sure but how to explain the present music, but, yeah. And um, a lot of these songs, man, are absolutely peaceful-sounding. They're just so Gorgeous. One of my favorite songs on there would have to be um, Quartz, Quartz Quadrants, um, Good Future Music. Oh, whenever I hear that, I just feel at peace with the universe. You know, it's just so relaxing. Amazing music. You know, it, you just feel 
zen. You know, you just feel like you're at peace with everything. It's just it, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And Naofumi uh, Hatoa, uh, I think that's how you say his name. I, I could be wrong. I really haven't heard his name pronounced at all. His compositions are always amazing. And um, the other people that he works with, um, I think there's some girl named Fumi, um, who also did some keyboards uh, for the Night soundtrack, I believe. I can't remember. I think one song in particular, which is probably one of my favorite songs to ever come out of this whole Sonic team, um, you know, audio department, is uh, The Dragon Gave a Loud Scream, which is the theme of Gilwing in uh, um, in the game uh, Nights in the Dreams. I believe she was involved with the, uh, like, the, the sore way of stabbing sounds that you hear. It just makes the song just sound so dreamlike and ethereal. I'm actually working on a beat tape now called Ethereal Plane, which is highly inspired by Sega Saturn music and Nights, the Night soundtrack in general. Um, can't wait to put that out, but it's still a you know, work in progress. I've got I've got it up on my band camp if you want to check it out. But anyway, yeah, Sonic CD is quite the uh, the standout game in the series, which is funny because nobody fucking played it. Like I said, well. Almost nobody. I'm sure there was people with Sega CDs, but nowhere near as many people. Um, you know, you know, uh, you know. If you compare it to, uh, uh, probably nowhere near the numbers that Sony were getting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Sony was selling millions of units, I believe, and Sega CD probably only barely sold one million unit. I don't know the numbers exactly. I could look it up. I mean, shit. This is my podcast. Might as well look it up. Sega CD sales. What do, what what did we get? Um, 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 I don't know. It doesn't say. Let me see. Oh yeah, Sega CD had some cold classy games on it, like Night Trap. Um, yeah, I think that's one of the first games to um inspire the uh, rating system or or whatever. Um, which is pretty funny. Uh. <laughs> Uh, Jesus Christ, man! I think the yeah, the whole insanity with um that's the shit that you see now with the whole you know censorship crap and people trying to you know boycott things. This is the whole. This was the beginning of that whole movement where people were just creating fake outrage over video games. It was just so stupid, and I don't miss it, and I never will because it's still happening today. Back then, it was more, like, serious. People actually took it seriously. Like, kids were like, oh, shit, I sh- probably shouldn't play that because my mummy and daddy said it's violent. You know, that sort of stuff is so stupid. You know, I mean, you play video games to escape from reality. It doesn't have to be as boring as real life, you know? Anyway, that's just my opinion on that. It's whatever. But, yeah, um, you know, the, the sales of the Sega CD, I, I, st- I still can't find a number. I really, I, uh, it's not giving me a number here. Just give me a second. Um, I can't see a number, but it says that the sales were shit. So, um, oh my god, the the guy can't even recall the se- the biggest CD numbers at all. Sega CD numbers. Well, it was actually the Sega CD would have been called the Mega CD here in Australia because we're a power region. Um, and we have 
you know, PAL regions have, like, a lot of Japanese uh, elements in their consoles and games, for example. I, I believe we actually had the Japanese soundtrack in our version of Sonic CD, which would have been amazing to grow up with. I mean, it's probably why a lot of Europeans have fond memories of that soundtrack from their childhoods. So whatever, 10 or 20 people that actually played the game when it first came out, but, um, you know, I... Whatever. It, I'm pretty sure it was more than 20 and <laughs> 10. But, um... Yeah, I... The sales were really terrible for the Sega CD. I, it was probably... Oh. Okay, so the best-selling game was Sonic CD, and it sold 1.5 million. Okay, so it did sell over... a million. I'm guessing the console sales were also 1.5 million, or maybe 1.6. <laughs> so that, you know... <laughs> Oh, okay, unit sold 2.24 million. Alright, so if we compare that to, um... Okay, so let's go video game consoles... Sales. Let's look, let's compare it to something like the Sony PlayStation. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be a Sony fucking fuckboy right now. Give me a second. Alright, so the original Sony PlayStation sold 102 million fucking copies. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh, the poor Sega Saturn as well. It actually had really miserable sales as well. The TurboGrafx-16 actually sold more than the Sega Saturn. I shit you not. It's the TurboGrafx-16 sold 10 million copies, 10 million units, and the Sega Saturn only sold 9.26 million. That's freaking oh, that is depressing. And the the Dreamcast actually sold less than the Saturn. And the Dreamcast it was an amazing system, way ahead of its time, and, you know, no DVD drive in there, even though, yeah, it, I, I got a feeling it would have been able to compete with the PlayStation 2 if they would have released the Dreamcast with a DVD drive, you know, but, so much for that, I guess. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was just not happening with Sega, man, and, um, but at least we got great software out of these consoles, even if they sucked. I remember my mum actually bought me a Sega Saturn in, like, 1998. I believe that's when they discontinued them. Um, which is depressing, but, uh, yeah, she, she, uh, I can't remember how much she paid for it. She's, I'm guessing she bought it for me because it was cheap. It was probably on sale. It would have been, like, a hundred and something bucks as opposed to its starting price, which would have been, like, 200, 300, 400, I don't even know. But, you know, I... <sighs> I, when I got the system, I was happy with it. Like, I didn't give a shit about the PlayStation. I'm like, fuck yeah, I get to play uh, Nights into Dreams, Daytona USA, all the arcade games, Athletic Kings, um, Sega Rally was a fun time on the Saturn. I even rented um, Sonic 3D Blast, which had a... The Saturn version of 3D Blast has an incredible soundtrack. Like, it's just Richard Jackie? Jack? Jack? How do you say his name? I don't know. Richard? I'll just call him Rich. <laughs> Uh, Richard had Rich had an incredible talent um, when it came to music production because it, the the soundtracks for the Sonic games he produced the the Sonic games that he were he was involved with had like incredible music like even Sonic R has um okay <laughs> shit all right okay maybe Sonic R was kind of a uh, failure but you know the the thing is though you either really like the Sonic R soundtrack or really hate it. Personally, I'm in between. I'm in the middle. Like, there's some songs that I legitimately think sound good musically. 
and there's some that just I think just sound fucking really rushed and uninspired. Um, but Living in the City is definitely one of my favorite um, songs in the franchise. So, you know, that's a thing. But yeah, I... You know, Sonic CD is a standout title, and I believe it, you know, it deserves to be remembered um, for what it is. It's just a great Sonic game. And regardless of Sega's hardships in the past, you know, messing up with, you know, releasing hardware that was hard to code games for, for example, the Sega Saturn. I remember the president of Sega of America at the time, I think his name was uh, Bernie Stoller or something like that. He said something like, if you don't have good software, the hardware will fail. And he's not wrong. The vice versa is also um, correct. Like, you don't have good hardware, the software will fail. So, you know. I, uh, I kind of feel like, yeah, the, uh, Sega Saturn was, I think it was way too powerful. I believe it might have been more powerful than the PlayStation, I could be wrong. But, um, it was, I do, the, th the thing is, I do remember the Sega Saturn being a 2D powerhouse. Like, the 2D, 2D games that got released on that system were absolutely incredible. Like, uh, what was it? Marvel vs. X-Men, Mega Man 8. Looks really great on the on Sega Sat on the Sega Saturn. Uh, there's, there's some other cool games as well, but I can't really remember them right now. But but yeah, uh, you know, regardless of the crap that Sega went through, Sonic CD shall will be remembered as one of the best Sonic games ever made, and that's a good thing. So good job, Sega. It wasn't all doom and gloom. Oh, something happened this morning when I woke up, I read the news, and, um... Apparently, Kotaku is firing people! Can't say I'm really surprised. Honestly, <laughs> it must be a completely toxic environment. Work environment, when it comes to Kotaku. Um, there's, there was probably a lot of drama going on behind the scenes and, and whatnot, because these, these people just seem like really shitty people to work with. Um... And, you know, everyone's doing, like, the crab dance, you know, posting the crab dance on Twitter and everything, and... Of course, the, uh, the leader of, um, Kotaku is like, Oh, all you alt-right chodes can shut the fuck up, blah blah blah, you know, we're not going anywhere. What's that guy's name? Kotaku lead, leader, CEO, I don't know. Fuck. Oh, just, just Jason Schreider? Whatever. He's like... He said, uh, um, got some bad news for alt-right chud spamming my Twitter feed today. Number one, Kotaku is still alive and fighting. Two, I already know how to code. Yeah, you clearly don't, buddy. Um, but, you know, 16 hours ago, he said, I don't know what's going to happen next, but to everyone who's read and supported our work at Kotaku over the years, thank you. Yeah, it's clear that the, the bullshit that Kotaku is feeding everyone, nobody's buy it, buying it anymore. Well, at least no one whose opinion matters. But, um, you know, they're upset about it, and the people that work there are probably fed up with all the bullshit, and, they, and you know, now they're getting fired because, you know, either they rebel or... I don't know. It's... <sighs> You know, I it's it 
Kentucky just seems like a really shitty place to work. So getting fired, if you got, if getting fired from Kentucky is probably a blessing in disguise. I mean, you might not, they may not be making any more cash, if they even make cash. I hope so. <laughs> but, you know, you're getting yourself out of a pretty bad uh, uh, business, uh, company. Because these guys, Kotaku have absolutely no shame whatsoever. Um, I know you hear everyone saying that, but it's the truth. Um, a lot of, most of, 99, 90% of the stuff they post on their website is absolute bullshit. Like, let me just bring up an article, like right now. This is an article from six hours ago. And it was everything we're expecting from BlizzCon 2019. BlizzCon 2019 promises to be one of the most interesting gaming... Sig- <sighs> it's, it, you know, these guys are acting like nothing's wrong. Everything's fine. You know, you know good for you, Sarah Bassford. Good for you. You know, everything's all fine and dandy. It, it would be great if these guys just went away. It would be fantastic. Because, you know, having the reputation they do as being, like, one of the most toxic, um, you know, journalist webs- journalism websites on the internet, it, well, it's just not a good thing to have that rap. It's, it, eventually, you know, it, you, your whole company's going to implode because people are going to get fed up. But, uh, it seems like Itaki's still running, so, you know, they're not dead yet. They fired, some people have been fired, but they're not dead yet, unfortunately. So, you know, might have to stop your celebrations for now, anyway. Because, (laughs) I have no doubt in my mind that eventually these guys are just gonna erupt and implode into a black hole. It might be later than sooner. We'll just have to see. Hopefully it happens sooner. Because. Fuck these guys. So. Pitchfork. In their infinite wisdom. Gave Kanye's new album. Jesus is King a 7.2. Good for them. Meanwhile they gave Ye a 7.1. You know, an album that's a, a trillion times better than Jesus is King. I'm, I'm, dude, I, I am really bummed out that Yandi didn't come out. Because that was shaping up to be such a great album. Even the OG version of Seller sounds freaking fantastic. But, ugh, what happened, Kanye? <laughs> Seriously, man. What are you doing? This... This Jesus is King album is quite possibly the worst record you've ever released. I'm not kidding. It's not because it's a gospel record either. Just the quality, the sound, your rapping, the production. It just sounds so rushed and lazy. I mean, at, at one point on the record, you even rip off the Gerudo Valley theme from, from Ocarina of Time. Are you fucking kidding me, man? Oh, but, um... Yeah, I, I got nothing else to say. It's a shitty album, and I'm disappointed. I kind of wish Kanye would just, like, you know, run back into the studio and quickly, you know, finish up Yandi and drop that. 
in a month or two, that would probably make me feel a little bit better. <laughs> um, well, it might make me feel a lot better, actually, but... Yeah, that's unfortunate. But whatever, I'll live, I guess. It's not the end of the world. Kanye released a shitty album. Whoop-de-doo, he'll get over it, he'll bounce back. He always does. Anyway, guys, I think that's all I've got to say um, for this episode. So, uh, thanks so much for um, listening, and I'll be back, uh, I don't know, uh, Halloween's tomorrow, so I'm probably going to be, you know, partying for a few days, so I, I might be gone for a little bit, but, yeah, you know. I'll try to, um, come back as soon as I can and keep these podcasts, um, because, you know, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy just sitting here, just shooting the breeze, you know. You know, I don't have to, you know, get all the details right. Is you know, I just like just sitting here yapping because, like, I like sharing my experiences. I like sharing memories. I like. Uh, it was good that I was able to keep this podcast uh, positive somewhat <laughs> until the end, where I'm like ragging on Kotaku. But yeah, I think I might just do this more often. Just make my pod go into a more like positive direction because you know it's so it's so easy to get really mentally shaken up just by being talking about fucked up shit all the time you know but um i will still talk about that stuff don't get me wrong i'm not you know bending the knee to my own mental health i'm willing to go through some shit i'm really i'm willing to make some sacrifices <laughs> you know I, I i'm not afraid to touch on really controversial things even though you know I, I don't do much research for a lot of stuff sometimes i say things that say things that's stupid you know and people like to make make that really clear to me yeah i'm look i'm not too happy with the the, the old me like a few years back i was so uh, it was terrible like the whole thing cuz i used to post on forums a lot when i was um you know still kind of young mid 20s early 20s and yeah i wasn't really like the most self-aware dude in the world you know i was still you know on my own on my own bullshit just thinking like you know oh why are you guys hating on me fuck you guys you don't know shit it's but you that kind of comes with being young and dumb like you kind of just react terribly to situations like that where people call you out and whatnot and people make fun of your music like my shitty ass old music that i released like you know between 2007 and 2011 was just awful. People loved to keep bringing that up, just to, just to you know take the piss out of me, and it was annoying. But like throughout 2014, 15, 16, 17, I feel like I was able to connect with people more. I mean, you know, because when I grew up, I wasn't really social with, especially after I left high school. My social skills were at like zero <laughs> you know because i went through so much crap in high school you know and you know when you get out of it it's like oh okay well this is okay i'm just sitting here on my computer every single day you know it it fucks with your, your mental health you know and uh, you know it kind of affected me the way i re did things like i would just come off i was an i was the ultimate cringe lord man like my music i was putting out was so shit <laughs> you know i thought it was hot shit of course it took a couple of people on forums to call me out on that, to really make me rethink my whole, you know, plan. And since 2012, 
you know, I've been doing better musically, and since, uh, late 2016, my life in general has been, impro has improved immensely, ever since I got my idiot dad out of my life, and moved house, moved to Brisbane, I've just been so much happier, you know, and, um, you know, I don't really have much reason to be, you know, upset all the time like I used to be, I can kind of just be really mellow now, and, you know, I, you know, I work out more now, I've lost weight, I started fasting a couple of months ago, like, I'll just, I'll just have, like, one meal a day, like, they call it intermittent fasting, I might go into more detail about my, um, you know, my weight loss stuff in maybe a future episode, but yeah, I, I've just been a lot happier, you know, and it's nice to be able to sit here and express myself, you know, just whip out my SM7B, you know, and just fire up OBS and, you know, just record a podcast, and I love doing that. You know, it's good, it's, it's, it's therapy in a way, because I can get stuff off my chest, I can just, you know, talk, and, and yeah, and, you know, I, I just love doing it. But anyway, that's enough of that, I, I'll, um, I'm gonna wrap things up now, so, thanks for listening and watching, and I'll see you guys later, take care.